0: life, and politics with Republican leanings. Welcome to Famila and Friends, the show that mutes the sound bites and noise pollution to bring you the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear. Hosted by Nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate Pamela Ramos. Famila and her team of friends tell it like it is, and no topic is off the table. Get ready to cut through the clutter. Now here's your host of Famila and Friends, Famila Ramos on The Answer San Diego.
1: Good evening and welcome to another installment of Family and Friends. I'm Family Ramos coming to you from sunny San Diego with of course a few of my very good friends, Kalina, Elijah, and Hazai. Hello, 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 friends. Go ahead and introduce yourselves.
2: Hi guys, Kalina O'Connor.
3: What up? This is Elijah. Hi guys, this is Hazai.
1: Welcome back, my friends. Welcome back. And we can't forget our very own Hottie Toddy in the Studio, Producer Todd. Yeah, yeah.
4: Happy Uh, Fourth of July, everybody. Hi, Producer
2: Todd. We love you.
4: Hi, Producer Tara.
1: You know, can't you just feel all the positive vibes in this room? Such a difference from the outside world right now. I sure can. Can you feel the love (laughs) tonight? (laughs) That's horrible.
3: Great.
4: It's getting all Lion King on us.
1: I love it, right? (laughs) (laughs) I love coming into the office every week. I mean, like you said, the last time we were here, Kalina, it's our bonding time. I miss Ladies' Nights, but this is a close second. A very close second. And it's just so much fun. I mean, pretty soon we'll have to redecorate the studio at a disco ball. <laughs> just kidding, producer Todd. I'm just playing. I better stop before we get another passive aggressive laminated note. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you're not. Yes, and you better stop before you get us in trouble with your antics. <laughs> But I talk, producer Todd is cracking up. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. But I do miss our ladies night, the music, the good yeah. times, I miss it all, man. You tell
1: us about, you know, tell them the story about what we used to do when, um you know, when we, during ladies night When we'd get hit on. <laughs> so,
2: you know, people, guys would walk up to us and try to talk to us and I would ask, you know, are you Republican or Democrat? And they'd panic and look at Pamela and I, <laughs> I'm all tattooed, she's all pretty. They'd be like, oh, what's the right answer? And they'd inevitably say the wrong answer. And I'd say, well, sorry, you know, we're Republican.
1: Bye. And they'd run. (laughs) You know, we just can't be bothered with liberals. Sorry. (laughs) No.
4: How come we are never invited to, you know, ladies' night?
3: Man, are you serious? It's ladies' night. Let the ladies have their fun.
1: Yes, thank you. Let the women have their fun. I mean, I think all the mothers out there can relate. It's tough balancing work, family, and other responsibilities, right? I mean, it gets crazy, it gets hectic, especially this past season when we were forced to shelter at home. And notice, I said season. A whole season flew by us and we'll never get back. All because some virus had to escape some lab, intentionally or unintentionally.
2: I mean, yeah, we did lose a lot. The kids missed school. Mm -hmm. They're never going to get that back. Your oldest son missed graduation from high school. Um, It was a trip. We missed a lot. Yeah, it's a bummer.
3: We did miss the seasoning, so it just don't taste right like food without seasoning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm still still thinking about that.
4: (laughs) Especially with me, you know, I missed all the prom season, especially with the limousine business that we have, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm all our reservations got canceled. So yeah, we missed a season and we missed, I mean, Two or three months.
3: Yeah. You gotta reinvent yeah. that.
1: You gotta reinvent your uh, business. Yeah, to yeah. miss the midst
3: yeah. of summer too.
1: <laughs> you know, I remember being a rebel and driving around with my kids late at night. You know, playing car karaoke because we were so bored. I mean, my little guy would get mad at me because all we all he would hear is all that bubblegum music. We, <laughs> me and the girls wanna sing. I mean, he wanted to hear classical rock or whatever it yeah. was that he wanted to hear. You know, my oldest always passed. You know, he had better things to do like play video games with his friends online. You know, <laughs> so one night we drove up to downtown La. Jolla and my older daughter was pretending that there was a zombie a- apocalypse because it was so dead. I mean, she'd freak out my younger daughter, who was actually looking out for the zombies. You know, <laughs> She was scared. Um, but there was barely anyone out. I Actually, nobody out. It was a sad sight. I mean, I'm just so glad we didn't get pulled over or <laughs> narked on. I mean, <laughs> is that still even a word? Yes, it definitely is. <laughs> narked.
2: Um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember the beginning of the coronavirus. They had all those huge military tanks driving in downtown San Diego. We broke out of the house. I took my kids down there, and we sat and watched that in my minivan. I never thought that my kids would ever see, like, 50 huge tanks rolling down downtown. Mm-hmm. That was crazy.
3: Yeah, this coronavirus definitely has changed um, how I feel about everything, you know. I, it's weird just seeing people with masks on mm-hmm. everywhere you go.
1: Mm-hmm. And we used to make fun of those people who were in masks. Yeah. For
4: me, I think it was kind of productive. I learned a lot of new uh, softwares you know, like uh, animation softwares, 3D Max Maya and stuff. So I just gave it a lot of time sitting at home, you know, learning new stuff every single day. Good it for helped you. me. Good yeah. for
1: you. You know, well, this whole coronavirus pandemic will be over after November 4. You mean after the election? <laughs> 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 or, or there'll be a lot more sick people infected with the virus, some dying from COVID, or if they're le- they're the lucky 98%, they'll recover.
2: Of course. quadrimune guys. I mean, what about those patients that recover but then have those long-term side effects?
1: Well, about 12 to 20% have varying degrees of long-term lung damage. I mean, they'll probably need stem cells, to be honest. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but when scientists study multiple sclerosis, they give the coronavirus to the rat. So the rat gets multiple sclerosis. I mean, we don't know what the long-term effects are, but there is a possibility that the coronavirus infection may predispose to all sorts of neurological disorders, including Parkinson's and dementia and, what I said earlier, MS.
3: So wait. This could really be the zombie apocalypse.
1: Yeah, you know, we can't rule that out. Just don't freak out my youngest daughter with that information.
2: <laughs> oh, poor Isla.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't want to get off topic, but while I'm talking about brain inflammation, I'm really upset that people say that there's no correlation between vaccines and autism. I mean, there's scientific proof.
4: Uh, are you anti vexor
1: Of course not, <laughs> but I'm a realist, and um, I know that there are thousands of studies that show autism is an inflammatory disease. If you give baby mice That over um, baby mice agents that overactivate the immune system. These mice end up with autism as adults.
3: How do you know these mice have autism?
1: Well, in studies, they place two normal mice on each side of the box, divided into two chambers. They observe the interaction for about ten minutes. Normal mice play with play with each other on um, an average of two times per minute. In contrast, a mouse exposed to inflammatory conditions will not play or interact with the other mouse.
2: (laughs)
3: How is that autism?
1: Well, it looks like autism at a behavioral level. But when you take a look inside their brains, you'll see that the brain of the inflammation-treated mouse is actually bigger than that of a normal mouse. I mean, the parts that are bigger in the brain of a mouse treated with inflammation are the same parts that are bigger in the brains of autistic kids. Inflammation causes autism, especially in young children.
2: So what you're saying is that the inflammation causes autism in kids, right?
1: Yes, as long as the children have the predisposing genes that allow for the inflammation cause autism. Fortunately, not too many children have these genes.
2: So, should we vaccinate or not?
1: You know, it's all about risk and reward. What I'm saying is that there is a scientifically proven risk, and to deny that is criminal.
2: So, if the inflammation in the baby causes autism, what does inflammation in adults cause?
1: It causes you to be a Democrat.
2: Oh, (laughs) good one.
1: I was getting trolled by Democrats who couldn't handle some of the memes that I was posting on my social media the other day. I post them because they're funny, and I really don't care what people think of me. I really don't. You know, one actually said, can you post something positive for once? Can you do that? (laughs) And I replied, I drink my coffee strong with no sugar. Scroll on down, Snowflake. I mean, no place for him here, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm actually offended and offended for a valid reason. <laughs> this fool was trying to infringe on my right to free speech. I don't think so. This is my page. Grow a pear, or scroll on down
3: definitely sounds like he's trying to infringe on your First Amendment (laughs) rights. I mean,
4: seriously,
2: what a loser. We know those memes are supposed to be funny, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's funny because it's true.
4: (laughs) Some people on social media, you know, take things so seriously. Yeah.
1: You know, anyway, sorry for that science lecture back there, guys. How was your week? My week was good.
2: Uh, There was a huge protest at Mayor Faulkner's house. So I live in OB. He lives in Point Loma. So that was really close. My week was good. If I was Faulkner, it would not have been so good. So no. I'm grateful. Yeah.
3: <laughs> My week was great. Uh, did a lot of research. Had a birthday. I call it a solar return. And uh, basically just spent some time at the beach. There
2: we go. Fun.
4: I had a good week. My uh, friends came from Orange County down to San Diego. You know, we uh, spent some time together, barbecue and stuff. Uh, it was a good time. We had fun. Nice. Nice. So,
1: well, my week was crazy. My son finally had his drive through graduation, and we went out to celebrate again, of course. <laughs> it isn't every day that you graduate from high school unless they cancel it. Mm. Um, anyway, I worked on a couple other projects, including one for my foundation. I did some shopping with the girls.
3: Mm-hmm. See, I knew <laughs> she was going to bring up shopping.
1: <laughs> and I spent a couple of days teaching my son how to drive. Oh, how'd that go? Oh my gosh, it was scary. You know, his dad gave him his old expedition, and that's a really big car to learn on. I had to close my eyes a couple times because I was getting freaked out.
2: Yeah, that car's a beast, but I told you, I Drop the littles off at your house and I can take them. You might as well
3: just let me take them.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So can I. We are probably better drivers than you anyway.
1: (laughs) You know, fine, fine. Just wait until I take you guys up on that offer. But before we get carried away with this conversation, I want to tell you a little bit about about our upcoming guests. We have two brilliant Republicans joining us this evening. First, we have Senator Joel Anderson, who served in the State Assembly from 2007 to 2009. Then from 2010 to 2018, he served as state senator and is currently running for San Diego supervisor in District 2. And
2: didn't he endorse when you ran for Congress, too?
1: Yeah, he did. He's a great guy, great politician. That's who I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) You know, Senator Anderson works well across the aisle and never compromises his conservative values. He accomplished a lot of great work during his tenure in both offices. Amongst many great accomplishments, he wrote Assembly Bill 221, which stopped the California Pension Fund from investing in companies that did business with Iran. This resulted in stopping $24 billion from reaching the Islamic uh, Republic of Iran. This bill was signed by the governor. Yes, on the floor of the U.N. during his speech at the General Assembly. For his many achievements, he was also granted the Legislator of the Year Award many, many times.
2: There we go. So I met Senator Anderson a couple times. He really is a great guy. And his wife is sweet, too.
1: Yeah, it's great people. Really humble man. I really hope he takes that seat. Yeah. You know, our second guest has quite the inspirational story and a cautionary tale of what real communism entails and how her and her family escaped communist Vietnam. Joining us in our third segment is former congressional candidate and current Republican Central Committee member for her district, Amy Fan West.
3: How did she escape?
1: You know, we'll hear all about it and the struggles her family went through on their journey towards the American dream. More for, from our guests in a few No, so many people come to the United States for one thing, for freedom. I think it's really sad that so many Americans today are taking for granted our freedoms. Do you you think that the citizens of a real communist country would be able to get away with half the chaos and destruction the leftist ideology is causing? No,
2: and I was talking about this right before we started our show today. I mean, we saw how badly the government of China treated its protesters. Then there's Venezuela, and don't even get me started on Russia.
4: I heard that in these uh, communist countries, they do not hesitate to shoot the people if they get out of hand. I heard they send the bullets to their families, too.
1: You know, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, I want to I share a video that went viral and, and just illustrates what um, the uh, the ignorance of the left today. You know, an officer is telling his story. He's saying, um, I came into work today and I'm informed that there's going to be a protest to defund the police. Well, that's fine. I like protests, except they requested for police presence. <laughs> you know, for their safety to defund the police. You know, I don't know how I would respond to this if I was an issue. Now, if that isn't privilege, I don't know what is.
2: I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy these days. I feel bad for all the good cops out there. They don't deserve any of this you You know know
1: what we need to defund what welfare i mean it's hard to write when you have to go back to work right The (laughs) you know and also did you hear what anti leader joseph alcott said he admitted to being a commie and that he hates america and wants to destroy it he also wants to kill and burn rich people and abolish private property that's
3: crazy it's a sickness
1: it's definitely crazy and it's all getting old you know what else is crazy crazy how time flies here (laughs) stay tuned for our first guest senator joel anderson
0: More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego.
1: Welcome back to Family and Friends, and on the line with us is Senator Joel Anderson, candidate for San Diego Supervisor District 2. Welcome to the show. What made you decide to enter politics?
5: You know what, um, I had volunteered on a lot of people's campaigns over the years and you work really hard to get people elected. And then after they get elected, they forgot where they came from. And you find them voting for stuff that's just outrageous or they're not sensitive to your community. They, they don't take care of the the potholes. That they promised that they were going to fill the potholes and they get there and they forget all about you. So I thought we deserve something better. and you can't complain if you're not willing to step up and do it Mm -hmm. and a buddy of mine who was a state legislator at the time he said you should run and so i took him up on it i lost the first time i ran but i learned a lot from it and i learned about my community in a much deeper way which turned out to be very very helpful later in my career but that's what got me started and then you know and you know this along the campaign trail you meet people Mm -hmm. you hear their stories and and it's and it breaks your heart because government isn't always fair and all i wanted to do is lift people in my community
2: that's awesome Mm -hmm. okay so what is the most exciting aspect of being a politician
5: well i i don't after you win your first election you can't deny that you're a politician but I hate to be called apologizing. I know, right? Being the guy that helps you. (laughs) But, but, uh, you know, there's nothing more gratifying. All the years I worked in business, I helped people make money. And I made money. And it was good. And that's important. But when people call your office and they're destitute and they have exhausted everything possible and you're able to fix their problem, there's nothing more lifting. We had a... One of the things we did in my office is the state has a lot of of money that they've confiscated because people have abandoned the money, and so it sits in the coffers, and it's on a public list. So I had a lot of interns working for me, and I had them look up uh, where the money belonged to. If it came from my district— We reached out and tried to connect the person with the money the state was holding for them. And there was a couple that were in their 80s, and they had done a reverse mortgage. They were being evicted from their house. They had no place to go, and they had no income. Well, we had put them in contact with more than a quarter of a million dollars. Somebody had passed away and uh, put them in their will. And they never knew it so this money had been sitting in the bank for a decade the state was holding it and you can imagine how that changed their lives because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden now they could afford to to move into a home that they didn't have before so you know if i wasn't there if we weren't proactively looking to return people's money if we weren't doing stuff like that those poor people would be homeless on the streets and that's a, that's a horrible thing to happen when you have a quarter million dollars sitting in the bank.
2: Absolutely. That's almost very Robin Hood of you. I like
1: that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Especially
5: when you think you closed on something. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, this is Elijah here. I got a couple, couple questions for you. Please tell us about uh, what inspired you to come up with the AB 221 and what is the impact of the AB 221?
5: So, you know, you get elected. And you're so eager to get there. And then the first thing comes to mind is, oh, my gosh, I would be surrounded by all these Harvard grads. And, you know, how am I ever going to compete and do things? And I got up there and I was put on this committee called PERS, Public Employees Retirement System. And I didn't know anything about it. So I started doing research to find out more about the subject matter so that I wouldn't embarrass myself in committee hearings. <laughs> and through uh, study, I randomly ran into the fact that we had $24 billion, it's a B billion billion of our public employees' retirement invested in the Islamic Republic of Iran. Here's a country, and this was a decade ago, that we were on the cusp, and we still have a rough relationship with them, of war, and we had $24 billion. If they had nationalized the money and confiscated it, if we had gone to war with them and bombed it, I'd have to go back to our taxpayers and say, we have to backfill $24 billion because we had it in Iran. And, you know, at the time I kind of joked and said, um, what was the problem? North Korea? We couldn't find an investment in North Korea? I mean, the two worst places in the world to park money. So as I did the research, uh, the federal government had put sanctions on Iran and all of these investments violated those u.s sanctions so we were violating u.s law in addition to funding terrorism so i went back introduced the first bill in the nation 28 states followed suit including the federal government they changed because some of their pension money was in iran and um i knew it was a big bill it was the biggest bill that year in the legislature i was in the minority party so i knew that I need a lot of help getting this through. So I went back and I met with every legislator, and 112 of them co-authored my bill. Wow. And every person has a different focus. So some of the Republicans they were concerned about how this financially hurt the the budget. You know they don't. Most of the time we don't like a legislator deciding how we invest. You usually want to get some. Uh, New York, Wall Street or to, be, to make those decisions but I don't think it took one of those guys to figure out that investing violating federal law in a country that we're on the brink of war with is a good idea.
1: Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> right.
5: Uh, um, so, And then for a lot of the other Democrat legislators, human rights was a big issue and so you know, uh, this is a country that if your husband cheats on you they bury you to your waist and force your first, your uh, your uh, oldest child to th- cast the first stone, and they stone you to death. So you know, there are a lot of good reasons why that money shouldn't be there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
4: Uh, hi, Mike. This is uh, Kayam ha- Hi, Joel. This is Kayam Hazai. Uh, congratulations on being granted the Legislature of the Year Award. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
5: Well, I actually have 27 of them.
1: Nice. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> who's counting? I know who's counting so, by now.
5: <laughs> I was counting very closely because uh, there's 120 legislators and they only give one out to both houses. So there's 80 assembly members competing for one and 40 senators competing. But over over the 12 years I was in the legislature, I ended up with 27 of them. The one um that comes to mind the most is President Obama signed H.R. 3230 into law which said any state that doesn't offer in-state tuition to GI beneficiaries, they would no longer pay out-of-state fees. We were one of three states that charge uh, GIs out-of-state fees. Even though they live here, we don't treat them as residents. And so they have to pay these out-of-state fees. Um, An assembly member. put a bill in AB 13 and it was it was rocky chavez it took me a second to remember his name but he put the bill in everybody in the assembly voted for it all 80 members then it got to the senate side and uh the senator the senator who ran a committee held it in committee and killed the bill without anybody voting on it so i went back and i amended 20 of my colleagues bills with its language and um Long story short, I shamed them into resurrecting Mm -hmm. the bill and passing it. So Mm -hmm. seventy-eight thousand veterans had their benefits restored that would have lost their educational benefits, and I received seven legislator year awards for that. Uh, Even my own Republican caucus didn't uh, support it, but ultimately voted for it. So, you know, this just goes to show what one person can do if they're willing to work hard Mm -hmm. enough. And I, that those. Those, um, there were seven different veterans groups that gave it to me, and so I'm very, very proud of it. It means a lot to me. My oldest daughter uh, served in the Air Force, and my son is in the Navy right now. So, I, you know, I, that was one for the Gipper, right? I mm-hmm. mean, I, I did one that is personal because of my kids are impacted by it. Beautiful.
1: You know, you're now running for Board of Supervisors. What is it that they do, and why did you decide to run for Board of Supervisors?
5: When you think about your quality of life, everything in your community is tied to the Board of Supervisors. Whether it's land use, whether there's an apartment complex being built next to you, or a trolley station, um, or a homeless shelter, all that stuff goes through the County Board of Supervisors. It also impacts mental health. I did a bill a few years ago with a Democrat, uh, joint authored, to get $200 million for San Diego County to help with mental health. We, everybody who drives and sees the homeless, many of them are talking to themselves without a cell phone. And, you know, if we could take some of that money and triage the homeless, we could get them off the streets, get them the help they need, and perhaps return them to a a more productive life. Mm -hmm. I look at that and just think we can be lifting these people, but it takes hard work and, uh, that's really important to me. You know how we leave uh, this earth uh, reflects on us, but it also how do we leave it for our kids and for our kids' kids, our kids' children. So for me, this is a very exciting time. I have all sorts of, uh, I see all sorts of opportunities to improve our communities, improve the quality of life, and lift our kids all at the same time.
2: That's great. I love that. Okay, so important question. What makes you the ideal supervisor?
5: Well, uh, one, uh, I'm a nut. You know, uh, <laughs> you have to be a little crazy to want to work 80 hours a week for the same pay mm-hmm. and get nothing but complaints. Because if, you, if when you are elected official, everything that you do, no matter how good it is, somebody doesn't like it. So you have to be thick-skinned because somebody's always complaining. If I gave everybody in the district five bucks, some people would say, what, only five bucks? <laughs> right you know uh, so you got to be prepared for it mentally but the return that I get the joy I get from helping others there's no other job I've ever had like this and uh, has been is rewarding so when you look at what I did you know when a man promises you the world tomorrow ask him what he did yesterday we had over 2,000 young people intern in my office in that 12
3: years we we got about 30 seconds left. Sorry to interrupt you, but I want to ask oh, you one quick question. How sure. can we help you win?
1: Yes.
5: Oh well, first thing, uh, come to my website, Anderson for Supervisor 2020, and endorse me. You know, I'm not looking for big fancy endorsements. I want ordinary people. Everybody oh that endorses me. Is endorses me is guaranteed to vote for me because you go from a prospect to an owner (laughs) when you endorse me i know uh that that uh you're gonna tell your friends to vote for me and that's really important plus i didn't answer everybody's question and i'm long-winded i didn't used to be until i was elected but uh send me a note i'm happy to answer any questions that people have send us five dollars in the mail
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much senator anderson we'll be back with amy fan west
0: Thank you. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Pamela and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now, here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Pamela Ramos. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Pamela and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now, here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Pamela Ramos.
1: Welcome back to Family and Friends. As promised, we have former congressional candidate Amy Fan West with us on the show. Welcome to the show, Amy.
6: Welcome. Hi, Pamela. Thank you so much for having me today. How are you?
1: Good. I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Well, Amy, congratulations on a well-run campaign. I watched your campaign from San Diego, and I was inspired by your tenacity and grace. I'm especially proud and honored to have a fellow female Asian-American politician on the show. I just hope I didn't offend anyone by saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not. You, you
6: need to stop being political correct, you know, because, I mean, it's hurting us. It is. Oh, yeah, like You know what? It's, yeah, fiery. Yeah, it's totally, you know and it's good and you too you know i saw your race and you did a great job as well oh thank you and so yes and we just need great candidates who actually care for the people to run for uh political office just because we have so many establishments that i think they lack Uh, the ability to really represent the people and care enough to represent and and do the right thing.
1: Absolutely. So tell us about your family and how you guys escaped communist Vietnam and your trip um, in the belly of a fishing boat to the U.S.
6: Right. Well, thanks for asking. Um, So basically, uh, growing up in Vietnam as a little girl, I remember witnessing, you know, um, just people uh, getting uh, killed and murdered and buried alive as an example uh, of those who complain against the communist regime, the government. And so what they do is just install fear within the villagers and the and and the city the community so in that way they don't rise up against the government and um you know also when we escape on a fishing boat because my dad told my mom you know we cannot have a future here in vietnam if we live here we will die in the hand of communism the the communists or if we escape at least we will die as free men and so my mom and dad hid us underneath the fishing boat. It was me, my older sister, my two twin younger brothers, and my mom was eight months pregnant with my wow. younger sister. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I mean, us being mothers, you know, the hardship on a fishing boat, you know, being eight months pregnant, is just insane. I don't know how my mom did it, wow. but <laughs> I God bless her. Fraud, yeah, know? God bless yes. her. <laughs> yes, yes, totally. And it's totally God's hands upon our, our lives. And at that time, we didn't know about that. But the only thing was my dad heard about a God, you know, a whole raising upbringing was Buddhism, and ancestor worshiper. And then he heard about God and he said, God, if you are real, protect my family from Vietnam to America and I'll worship you. And then that's when he took our family on the fishing boat to go on this journey for freedom. And so we, in three days, we ran out fresh water. And, um, you know, food, yeah. uh, more likely fresh water, just because, you know, water, without water, we can't survive, mm-hmm. you know, in the fishing boat. And so thank God the oil tanker, it was actually the German oil tanker took us in, gave us food and water and sent us over to Thailand refugee camp. And there uh, we stay for a year and then we seek asylum. And then uh, half a year at the Philippines, um, the Philippine camp. And then uh, they flew us over to Huntington Beach, California, and surround us. A Christian community that shared the gospel to us, and that's how we became Christian. And that's that's why I love this country. You know, the freedom that is afforded me and my family, and the freedom to speak our mind, the freedom to be successful if we want it to, if we work hard. You know, and the resource we have here. But I feel like the younger generation, they don't understand um, what it means to appreciate the freedom and liberty we have here and especially with the uh black Lives matters movement Mm -hmm. and Antifa. when i saw those kids out there i'm just like shaking my head because i go wow you Uh know what the extremist socialist left the special interest has has uh basically uh you use you your emotion yeah, you know to bring about uh their agenda and you don't even know that that Yeah, exactly, and their energy, their enthusiasm, and and their passion, right, for Mm -hmm. justice, for all, and freedom, and fairness, but the Democrat used that for their gang and agenda, and not only that, but never tell them the outcome of it. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's kind of like Satan, you know, growing up, my parents always say, you know, Satan will tell you Mm -hmm. half-truth, half-life, and half-truth, so the truth, you just, he forget to tell you the rest of it, so likewise, the Democrat... can Uh
2: can i chime in you escaped from communism and communists killed your family members what what do you say to young people that support communism in this day and age
6: you know what i say to them please stop what you're doing before you know we've all been teenager before right the rebellious think we know everything right yeah so likewise i'm saying you guys are in your stage where you think you know everything and not only that you don't want to listen to adult and you want to rebel this is a time where you rebel for the good okay right Mm -hmm. (laughs) i like her social media (laughs) thank you you do not (laughs) listen to the social media or the uh media outlet telling you dictate how you think and how you feel because the things that if that's the case then where's your rebelliousness where are you you know independentness you don't have it yeah so therefore if you want to prove us to us, the society, that you're independent, that you are men and women of yourself without anyone dictating how you think and how you feel. This is the time to prove that and show us that. And so that I challenge them to do that. And, and the thing is that start doing your own research because don't let the media tell you, spoon feed you mm-hmm. all their propaganda. Mm-hmm. And not only that, your school, your your college education, their their propaganda as well. And so the thing is that um, you are a creative human being, young adult. You are, uh, you know, um, you invent, you're creative, you're independent, you are smart, talented. Use that for your own benefit. Do not let the Democrat, do not let the media tell you, how to think and how to live your life. Yes. And the I, thing I is totally that is you think of Right. And the thing is that I realize that a lot of them are destroying properties, destroying mm-hmm. people's businesses. And most of those businesses are a minority who exactly. just got off their foot, you know, to just create this small business. And yet now it's all destroyed. And you know what I tell those young kids? I go, that might be your friend's business that you just destroyed. Mm-hmm. And not only that, have you remember when you worked so hard for your first car and someone broke your window? Mm-hmm. How did you feel? You know what I mean? You feel devastated. Oh, I know. Devastated. I did. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> it like, oh, was so hard for my first life, Yes. Yes. It all cash. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. And and look, that that small business owner just felt devastated his whole livelihood mm-hmm. to create a job and a business for his family, his livelihood for his family to feed his children. Yet you just destroy it. And not only that, imagine someone destroy your career, your 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 education, your, your degree.
3: Let me ask you this. What made you decide to run for politics at this stage in your life? And uh, how did you You enter politics?
6: You know what? I'm never, I was never into politics, not once at all, but growing up with my background, uh, starting high school, I have this passion to defend those who can't defend themselves. Those were those thoughts and impression within my heart. But then I never think I'll go into politics, you know? So, uh, in um college, I went to teaching, so I got my degree in teaching uh, then I instead of going to teaching God, I believe there's a high being God, okay, mm-hmm. who redirects our lives all the time and and write our stories and I feel like God wrote my story of learning you know being a teacher because being a teacher, you are always learning, and that 's what I will bring to congress it's always learning, always being educated, always growing. And uh being open minded, right? That's mm-hmm. what teachers are about. And um and then also I went to uh banking, uh, school for federal credit union and I worked there for four years before I give birth to my first child and then I was a stay at home mom. And then during those time I just seek the Lord. Every season is so different, you know? So what I've learned in my uh twenties is that to embrace the good and the bad and just 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 learn from it. And that's what I, I believe the younger generation needs to know and understand is that don't rush life. Don't rush to get to the next destination, but just embrace it. You'll learn so much if you just take your time and to enjoy the good and the bad and learn from it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Beautifully said.
1: Yeah, well said. You know, for me, being a woman in Asian, many people said I was in the wrong party, that oh. foreigners should be in the Democratic Party, which I thought was, you know, total bullcrap. crap <laughs> exactly. what, what, do you, what do you tell these people um, when they ask you why you run Republican because I got that question a lot when I ran so what do you tell those absolutely. people absolutely absolutely. I get that question all the time so, oh. wait you're a minority <laughs> yes. you're
6: Vietnamese you're female <laughs> You're on our party. And you know what? I got recruited to come Mm -hmm. to the party. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. I cannot. You know, I'm for life. I I cannot for abortion. I can't do that. You know? Exactly. It's values, right? so that's one thing I say, my values. Yeah. And I go, you know, I I value your life. I'm talking to you. I value your life from the womb to the tomb. And I'm so happy that your parents did not abort you because now you have a future and you can write your own history. Oh yeah. Awesome. They can't say anything. What what can they say? Yeah, there's no love? comeback for that. No, because I go she they just pause and like uh yeah, thanks. You know, it's like yeah, because I value your life and no one should ever silence you. Exactly. To live your life. Uh, and so it's just get them to start thinking and I think as republican what we're missing is mm-hmm. bridging the gap. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Finding exactly. common ground, mm-hmm. because I feel like the GOP, the Central Committee, they're not doing their job. Uh, so the Democrats painting them as the elite, the white men's party, right? Mm-hmm. And the wealthy party. But actually think of we're just middle class. We're just normal, you know? And and we love this party is because of the value. And what I think the Republican needs to paint to the Democrat, younger generation to the middle class and whatnot, is that... Whatever affects you in your pocket, your job, your livelihood, your education, uh, to the gas tax, whatever it is, affects me the same way it uh, affects you. And that's what we have to bring that common ground to them. Because at the end of the day, those are the things that matters to everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, is what affects their job, Mm -hmm. what affects Mm -hmm. their livelihood, their family, their children, you know. Bread and butter issues. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Nice. Exactly. Thank you so much, Amy, for um, all the information you gave us and that, you know, we need to fight for our freedoms. Definitely. And she's going to be running again for Congress. So everyone out there, look out for Amy Fan West. Get out. We'll be back oh. with Dear Diary and our final thoughts. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with family and friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Pamela and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Pamela Ramos. You know,
1: I always get choked up when I hear that song. Why? Because I'm proud to be an American. That was Grammy Award-winning country music artist Lee Greenwood with his signature song, God Bless the USA.
2: God Bless the USA.
1: Yes, God Bless the USA. You're listening to Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego and the greatest country in the world, the United States of America. We are ready to wind down. So go ahead and grab yourselves a glass of warm milk or a hotty toddy. Once again, we're kicking this segment off with Dear Dari. But before we get to that, I want to share a couple facts about that song. According to Wikipedia, that song came out in 1984 and was played at the Republican National Convention the same year with President Ronald Reagan and First Lady Nancy Reagan in attendance. It became popular during the Gulf War in 1990 and 1991 and again right after the September 11 attacks and during the 2003 invasion of Iraq. No doubt does that, does that does that song emanate feelings of patriotism, patriotism that certain Americans are definitely lacking today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of today's Americans, particularly those on the left, hate this country and want to be more like communists for whatever strange reason. And we've heard firsthand accounts of what communism is like from our past guests, most recently Amy West, Amy Fan West.
2: I mean, it's so sad, isn't it, guys? Americans not
4: acting very American. What is America?
1: <laughs> you know, let's get to Dear Diary. Dear Diary, by the time this show airs in real real time, we would have celebrated our greatest holiday as a nation, Independence Day. This year, the festivities for this holiday were limited based in accordance to our current public health restrictions. July 4th, 2020 in San Diego would be a year of no fair, no fireworks and no parades. Instead, my family and I would have had an intimate gathering at home in our backyard, complete with hamburgers, hot dogs, potato chips, water guns, water balloons and my favorite, my trifle. <laughs> I make I make a really great trifle tri- using red, white and blue. I love that. <laughs> You know, I first heard Lee Greenwood's song during a fireworks display in SeaWorld many, many years ago. It was part of their 4th of July playlist. And um, if you've ever seen the fireworks of SeaWorld, you'll agree that it's an amazing show. And it always gave me the goosebumps. Mm -hmm. You know, my children love it and they were disappointed that many of the July 4th activities were canceled this year. While they canceled most most of the Fourth of July celebrations, they can't take away Independence Day, the historic day that defined us as a country, but not just a country, more than a country, a place where the pursuit of happiness is guaranteed, a place where the equality of man is self evident a place where anyone with a dream and desire to work hard can become anything they want, most relevant to today, a place where a black man can hold the highest office in the land. Now, let's put this in perspective. There are uneducated, ignorant monsters out there who are racist and who should be sent to Gitmo with their Antifa brothers. (laughs) In my mind, the people that killed George Floyd are just as bad as these Antifa clowns who incite racial hatred with the dream of starting a race war in this country. The last person who seriously contemplated that was Charles Manson. But the power elite of America, in contrast to other countries, was colorblind enough to support a black man and help him achieve his goals of becoming president through financial contributions, corporate endorsements and personal political support. To his favor, he was given a chance. But unfortunately for us, like most Democrats, Barack Obama pretended to be a man of the people. Once in power, he forgot the people he made promises to and only served the devil. This man became the worst president ever. Do you think for one moment that the snobby racists in Europe would ever support or elect a black man for the highest office in the country? Nope. No, yeah. they most certainly would not. In Germany, after the Berlin Wall fell, West Germans discriminated against their Eastern counterparts because they considered the East to be a lower class. If you discriminate against your own people, how bad are you going to treat others? Europe is governed by the EU, a semi-globalized government that dictates much of what Europe does. The EU is run by the European Commission, a body of 27 members that serve as the executive branch, basically running a show. Do you know how many non-white members are on the European Commission. Every single member is white. When the leader of the European Commission, who, by the way, is German, was asked if she did anything to counter this, her response was that racism is a systemic problem in the member states. Specifically, she said, it is the right of the member states to present candidates, which means they're racist. To me, Independence Day is about being independent of bias and judgment. The United States is the only place in the world where your success is directly correlated to the amount of work you do and the amount of talent you have. This is what the Democrats want to stop. They want to create a system in which... Success correlates with political favors and not talent. I mean, we saw that in my race for the 53rd. They want to bring communism here and make a, make it a society where if you want to start your own business, you'll need government assistance, which also means government ownership. These democratic... Pro- politicians step on their platforms and spew to minorities the victim narrative which then incites uh, oppression and unrest among the people these politicians falsely claim good intentions and once in power continue with their manipulation and self-serving agenda but if they are truly here to help why have they cut funds for the only lifeline that disadvantaged communities have to achieve success education is the great equalizer Democrats also target the poor by selectively imprisoning them and encouraging abortion. In some situations, they deny government insistence if you refuse to have an abortion. This goes along with the founding spirit of the Democratic Party, that the rich should get richer and the poor should stay poor. Never forget, it was the Democrats who fought for slavery. It's the Democrats who want to destroy the moral fabric of this country. I mean, just to take a look at the BMO, the Black Lives Manipulated Movement, funded by the 1% to do the bidding of the 1%. If we're all brainwashed and controlled, we are not independent. I think that in life, anything sacred will be attacked by the powers of evil. We must stand up for our independence. Otherwise, it will be stolen from us from the thieves who pretend to help us while standing on their podium of hate, lies, and greed. What does independence mean to you?
3: What does independence mean to me? First of all, it means, one, knowing thyself. That's consanguinity. That's pedigree. And then when we're speaking of black lives movement, the word black don't have nothing to do with the human family. And then next, St. Maurice was one of the most venerated saints of all time, the German St. Paint. Then you're going to go to your 1700s, you got John Hansen. He was one of your first elected officials by what we call George Washington when he was a general. So people need to get their history right when they're out here speaking. And then next, (laughs) I could go on all day about this, but the show ain't long enough for this for the truth.
2: Uh,
4: For me, I would say it's freedom, liberation, liberty, you know, sense of freedom. It's Mm -hmm. called independence, to be able to do whatever you want to do.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I agree. I think independence is like our show here. We have people of all different colors, all different walks of life. We can say whatever we want. We're not getting in trouble for it. That's independence.
1: Not yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, while growing up, my father, who served in the military, taught us to respect the country and its president. He wanted us to all be proud Americans.
3: Well, today, that's what they call being a racist.
1: I mean, careful,
2: you might offend some people with that statement.
4: This is the land of opportunity for many people in the world.
1: You know, like many immigrants, my father came here for a better life. I mean, I don't remember much about the Philippines. I was only two when I came here. But it was always embedded in our minds how better off and lucky we are by living in the United States.
3: I guess you can call that privilege right there.
4: It is a privilege to live here, and many people are taking that for granted with all their
2: stupidities, you know. You
1: know, speaking of privilege, Kalina, you grew up in Malibu, attended posh schools with celebrity children. Tell us what that was like.
2: Yes, I did. You know, I grew up in between Malibu and Beverly Hills. I went to school with, like, Paris Hilton, Nicole Ritchie. I went to all the best private Catholic schools. Um, I didn't know that there was a different way of life. Mm -hmm. I thought it was normal to be dropped off by one of your housekeepers or nannies, (laughs) you know, in a Jaguar, picked up by somebody else. I didn't know that there was, you know, a whole nether world right. out there. I was very sheltered, very privileged. And when I grew up and I realized that there was a whole lot happening out here, it was kind of a slap mm. in the face. Right. Um, and I'm very grateful that I grew up the way I did, but I'm also making sure that my children do not grow up that way. So if that says anything about privilege, there you go.
1: Wow.
3: I grew up in uh, Minneapolis, North Minneapolis, which is across the bridge from where the assassination happened with George Floyd. Um I played hockey. I'm a brother on the ice, so that was very difficult. But I also spent most of my time in the Boundary Waters, and that's an area of Minneapolis or Minnesota where there's never been a (laughs) motorboat or anything like that. So you spend your time paddling and portaging through the woods. That's awesome.
4: So while growing up, you know, I was a very privileged kid. But when my dad passed away after that, you know, when I jumped into practical life, things changed. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But everything was going good when uh, my dad was alive. You know, Mm -hmm. I was back home in Pakistan. Everything was good, yeah.
1: Nice. Well, you know, we grew up in a humble home. Our parents worked hard for everything they had. We were taught the importance of hard work and giving back. We were taught that bad decisions led to consequences. And we were taught that the most important thing we have besides our lives are our liberties. I agree with that. You know, did you guys hear what happened to that Staten Island assistant principal? Um, After she posted uh, something online, she... They suspended her.
2: No. What'd she post?
1: Well, it starts, what is privilege? Privilege is wearing $200 sneakers when you've never had a job. Privilege is wearing $300 Beats headphones while living on public assistance. Privilege is having a smartphone with a data plan which you receive no bill for. Privilege is living in public subsidized housing where you don't have a water bill, where rising property taxes and rents and energy costs have absolutely no effect on the amount of food you can put on the table. Privilege is the ability to go march against and protest against anything that triggers you without worrying about calling out of work and the consequences that accompany such privilege. Privilege is having as many children as you want, regardless of your employment status, and be able to send them off to daycare or school that you don't pay for. You know, I don't know about you guys, but that there sounds like privilege.
2: I mean, God bless this lady for having the courage to voice her opinion, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, what do you guys think?
2: I don't don't know. I don't don't know. To me, I I don't
3: know.
1: Sorry. Plead the fifth plead the fifth. You plead I plead fifth. my fifth and sixth, but that's <laughs> only when narrative? I'm getting
3: pulled over. <laughs> is this
1: a narrative that you don't want to be a part of? Okay. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> Deal. okay, well, you know, speaking of truth, Jesus died for our freedoms from the devil. If you look at some of the icons of the, on the crucifixion, you'll see at the bottom of the cross, the skull of Adam. When God became man and died for our sins, he died so that we may have independence from the chains of the devil. God has blessed our founding fathers with the wisdom and opportunity to create a nation based on the will of God, whose foundation is independence. Let's Thank God for allowing the creation of a country based on liberty and justice for all. Mm-hmm. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we stand before you in a time of crisis, in a time where brother is killing brothers, spilling blood across the land. We have not forgotten the blood of the Lamb, which was spilt 2,000 years ago to redeem us from sin in the name of the blood of of your son, we pray you, O heavenly father, to forgive and erase all hatred. We beseech thee to ignite, reignite in our barren and desolate hearts the flame of freedom. Endow us with the thirst for justice and grant us the humility to follow the words of your prayer. Forgive us your trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
3: Amen. Are you praying or are you afraid?
1: <laughs> you know, I, we have a little bit of time here. I want to ask you guys an important question. Are you American or are you a Democrat?
3: (laughs) It depends on what dictionary you use. If you get your 1861 Oxford Dictionary, you're going to get a whole different different, definition of What's the
1: definition of America? Do
3: you want to know what it says? Yes, I do. In Oxford, 1861, it it was the copper people who were on the land when people showed up in ships.
1: Oh, wow.
2: So I'm going to go with, yes, I'm American.
1: What about you, Hathai?
2: Me too. There we go.
1: <laughs> you know, we have a little bit more time. um What's your favorite all American tune? I mean, I, I, mine is like, I don't know, that Lee Greenwood song, Proud to Be American.
2: Leonard skinnerd Free Bird, or actually Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, I love that yeah. song. Let's Sweet do that. Sweet
1: Home oh. Alabama. <laughs> okay. Oh, you, Hosiah or Elijah.
3: I don't know. I like some Bruce Springs thing. Or is that, that's yeah, like born, born in the in USA. USA. I, I, used to, I used to like that.
1: <laughs> Remember, no topic is off the table. That, that about does it for tonight. I hope you had a great Independence Day weekend. This is Pamela Ramos signing out. Good night and God bless.
0: Thank you for joining us for the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear on Famila and Friends. To learn more about Famila Ramos, how to be a guest or sponsor on the show, visit FamilaAndFriends.com. Tune in at this same time every week for more Family and friends on The Answer San Diego.